0: James Madison, Leicester and England, yeah. well done on that. Thank you. How are you anyway, my friend?
1: Very good, yeah. Loving life, Leicester City. Still keeping a close eye on Norwich, of course. First result, I check every week. I'm almost like a fan now, I feel more like a supporter than, than like an ex-player. Um, but yeah, obviously the England, the England debut quite recently was a fantastic moment, like I spent at Wembley the the scoreline, the occasion, one thousandth game, everything about it was yeah. just perfect. And feel really proud of myself. My family is so proud of me, and that was a great moment. And obviously, flying in the league at the minute, so long may things continue. Yeah,
0: well, yeah, yeah, good. You do have a soft spot for Norwich, still. Maybe you talk to Stuart Weber uh, as well he told me that when they got promoted against Blackburn I think it was back in the last season one of the first texts he got was from you as well and yeah. I remember you were at the Derby game I think as well yeah. uh, you were in New Way that day yeah. um, so you'll, you'll know there's still a lot of love for you from Norwich fans and yeah. it sounds like that's mutual
1: yeah and I feel that love and that's why I try and give it back as well you know because my time at Norwich is just I say it all the time it's fantastic and I enjoyed life so much. I felt like I learned so much. That one se- the season, there was one season I had in the Championship of Norwich. I've never, I remember just enjoying every moment of that training, not training, games, after games, media, everything about my lo- my life at that point. I just loved living in Norwich, the people of Norwich, the fans, and that's why I have a soft spot for Norwich because that's how they've made me feel. i Not I'm not lying when I say that. I don't say that about every every club because you know? um, that's how they make me feel. So. Um there's definitely a love from my end and like I said, I think the best way to describe it now is I'm probably a supporter of Norwich like like the rest of the fans at Cairo Road, so um yeah.
0: Yeah, and uh, obviously Leicester's your focus now. Have you had a chance to see too much of Norwich in the Premier League this season? What you made of Uh I've watched every game I've had
1: on T V. Good side, Norwich. Very good side, I know that. And I know how Daniel likes to likes to play. And I know and it's I always knew it would take time with the gaffer because um, in, that, in, that, in his first season when obviously that was my first season as well really in the Championship, yeah. I could see signs of us doing things that he asked and to be honest he didn't necessarily have the players probably that he wanted because he still had the squad that kind of Alex Neal had got together
0: yeah.
1: and he was kind of bringing in his own players here and there but not much and then obviously that, <laughs> you need time don't you so that second season after I left and obviously the lads got promoted was more of a Daniel Farker team, I think. And uh, you can see, I see little patterns and little signs that the messages that he was saying to us that maybe the fans wouldn't have seen. I think the Man City performance ep- epitomises that because they're playing out from the back, the speed of pass, the quick two-touch stuff from full-backs and, stuff, and that's everything that he asked for and I remember the messages. So yeah. it's, it's great to see that and I'm glad to see it coming into in fruition. Just, I just hope they're not on their A-game Saturday.
0: Yeah, likewise, they'd probably be thinking. But um, you all know them, uh, having looked at them closely, that basically they, they clearly decided as a club, Daniel, Stuart, Weber, when they got promoted, no, we're going to give these lads a chance, we're going to more or less keep the same group, added one or two, but they basically rewarded the lads and they said, you're good enough to maybe go again. Um, as somebody who, who had to make that step up, how how much harder is it to play in a Premier League compared to the Championship? What What is, what is it about that step up? Is it just the I quality? Think, uh...
1: Quality is the main thing, and I always say that because the championships just as tough as the Premier League in terms of maybe even tougher in some aspects of the relentless amount of games. Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. You know what it's like, and the physicality of the championships very high. But the step up of the, to the Premier League, I think the physicality maintains. The schedule's not as as compact as the as the Championship is, but when you make that step up, the physicality is the same and the quality is a different level so you've got to maintain that physicality and be able to be robust and play every game against these top physical players and also make that step up in terms of quality you're against the best players in the world Premier League's got the best players in the world no doubt about it every week you're coming up against the top side it seems you know and Norwich have obviously felt that this year because I'm not sure how many wins Norwich have got this year but it's not many Yeah. and that's why ultimately they're at the bottom of the league down there so um but as a team, I think Norwich's qualities are as a team. To be honest, when I watch Norwich, it's the team. That's what got promoted—the team. I know, obviously, Pookie was instrumental in that, the amount of goals he scored. But you look all over; it was a, it was a team effort. It wasn't individuals carrying the team. Whereas in the past in the Championship, I think you, there has been times where you could see maybe there's been certain individuals that have almost grabbed the team up there. But it was almost the team. And in 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 the Premier League, it's it's, it's hard because the quality and the defences are so. So it's better to be honest In terms of quality
0: Yeah
1: So it's tough It's tough to get wins In the Premier League I know I'm saying that Off the back of eight wins In a row But that's That's down to us being a team Now you've got to keep doing that And everything they did Last year Bring that to the Premier League And have that extra bit of quality Whether that's I don't know what Daniel or Stuart's going to do About maybe January But You need that extra quality
0: Yeah on that point That's a very good point Because As you say The result's understandably newly promoted side you can have a good day or two like Man City they weren't Everton but they're just coming off the back of you know defeats to Southampton and, and Sheffield United and there's one or two now maybe fans looking at it and maybe thinking Daniel you're probably playing too many young players and you've, you've thrown them in there and maybe you need to get a bit more Premier League now surround them but but to me, as a young player yourself who have got a chance under Daniel Farker, what would you say to that about you know, just trusting young players? Yeah, they'll make a mistake or two because they're young players and there's a little bit of inconsistency, yeah. but over the longer term, that's probably the best way to go for you, Norwich, isn't
1: it? Yeah, definitely. I think if, I'm a, if I was giving a message to a, a Norwich fan, I'd say trust Daniel Farker. You got you got, promoted with Ben Godfrey, Max Towns and Jamal Lewis as the mainstays in the back four. Yeah. Like, he knows what he's doing. Yeah. He's not. He, if Daniel Parker didn't think that they were ready or experienced enough, he wouldn't play them. But he plays them because he trusts them, he knows what they can do. He sees them in training every day. And I think a team like Norwich, who obviously haven't got the financial power to compete with other teams in the Premier League, a lot of other teams in the Premier League, you have to trust the young players. Young players have to play, and... They have quality. I've watched all the young lads. I will keep a close eye on all of them. Toddy, Ben, Jamal, and Max, as I mentioned. Wendy is still very young, and I know there's been talk about maybe making naive mistakes and that. Because I always read about Norwich and stuff. But um, just trust Daniel. He knows what he's doing. And these players. Don't forget, football fans often have a short memory because they forget. And obviously, it's all doom and gloom. And why is he you playing young players? Because they lost. You lost at the weekend, or whatever. but last season won the championship. Didn't just get promoted. Won the championship yeah. with these players. So. And the Premier League's 38 games, so I would say stick with Daniel Farker, trust in him, trust in the young players, get behind them, and then see where you are at the end of the season.
0: Really good rep there to Daniel Farker. As as a young man kicking a ball about a writing, which we both know in commentary, if anybody's not sure of that, to now where you sit today as like one of the best, widely regarded, one of the best young English players, where's Daniel Farker sit in terms of a career influence for you? Massive. Massive. Because
1: didn't have to play me. Followed him away first game of the season, didn't have to play me, but he did. And he threw me in and I'll be forever grateful for that. And I always say that because... And that's why I text him, we have such a good relationship. I remember, I know you mentioned earlier about texting Stuart Weber after the, the Blackburn game. I remember when I left Norwich and the deal was done, just before it got announced or whatever, I spoke to Daniel and Stuart on the phone. And the feeling I got from them was they were so happy for me. And that, you don't get that of every, every move you know my Coventry to Norwich transition was a lot different it was a deadline day move with people questioning it people is oh, he left yeah. fans getting on my back you know, it wasn't the same transition with Norwich Leicester from Daniel and Schutt they were happy for me they knew I'd had a good season and they were pivotal in that you know yeah. Stuart obviously giving me a contract extension in the summer before that didn't have to. I hadn't even played. Played about 20 minutes of football in the Championship. Didn't have to do that. Showed that faith in me. And then pre-season, Daniel Farka pulling me in for one-on-one meetings and saying, "I see it. Do this. You need to do this more. You need to do this more." On my case a little bit. I felt like at times in pre-season, he was on me more than others. And I was thinking, "Why is he on? Why is on my case a bit?" And looking back now, it's the best thing that ever happened to me because it made me a mainstay in the team. I was the main part. I was integral to the team in, the se- in that season. Yeah. I, think I scored 15 goals and stuff. So I look back and. That's what that that season got me to the Premier League. And I'll be forever grateful for that, for him, the trust in him to play me. He played me every game, maybe one or two at the start of the season when he was rotating me. But we we gained that trust and by the end, there was times where he was asking my opinion on things and stuff and we had that relationship and that's it's not as common as you think in football, so that's why I speak to Harley.
0: Yeah, and, and that's a great point you make about very rare probably in football that you get uh, a transfer goes through and the, the club who have sold a player the club who buying a player and more importantly the player are all happy um, you know yeah. Stuart actually came out he's, he's been quite open since he said and he, the words he used was selling you meant he averted a financial disaster because the club were going through that yeah. transition period with the, losing the parachute money yeah. um, so that must be really satisfying to you that yeah they gave you a chance but and they were good for you but by the same token you left that club in a healthier position than when you first got there yeah
1: exactly and it worked both ways yeah. I always gave my all for the team every game and I'm glad people could see that and Daniel could see that and stuff and listen when it got to the summer I knew I'd had a good season I wasn't I'm not naive I wasn't I was telling the press that I was focused on this whatever but you know in your head there was a chance that a Premier League team like yeah. that you're hearing certain little things and stuff and obviously I knew the club were in a financial financially not in the best position you, you, you read things you see things and stuff so I knew they might have to sell me and then I got injured on the last day of the season didn't I and I've heard Stuart say and um, with the party say it was a bit like heart in mouth moment but um, yeah after that the injury was fine and stuff and I, I got the move and like I said all parties like you just touched on all parties were happy so never had so many nice messages of fans about leaving the club you know what I mean normally when your top goal scorer your, your main player of that season leaves it's Oh, stay, one one more year, come on, son. It, it was go and do your thing in the Premier League. We're, we're happy. And even now on social media and whenever I go back to Norwich, I've been back a few times since. It's all good, positive things. They're all happy for me to be doing well in the Premier League, which you can't underestimate, so I'm grateful for that.
0: Yeah, I mean, just one more on Norwich. And, and you, again, you've took the words out of my mouth a little bit. That Sheffield Wednesday, that final game in the Norwich shirt, you finished that game. I remember the pictures. You've gone off in the first half. You've come out. You're on crutches. You've got Harrison Reed next to you. Yeah, you know, I mean, saying thanks and obviously saying goodbye, as it turned out, to those away fans that day. Yeah. 18 months later, you're an England international. Not only are you playing in the Premier League, you're playing a key role in a team of second in the table. Can you even be, imagine how, how fast this this thing is moving for you in the last 18 months?
1: I try to try and take it on my stride. You know, try not to think about that because you don't want to. Even... Try and take it in your stride and stuff. And listen, if you knew how I felt on that last day of the season when I got injured, I remember obviously having to go off. I got tackled and I, and I knew something wasn't right straight away. I got up and my knee was almost wobbly and I was putting it down, but I weren't really feeling the weight. And I was thinking, oh, no, like, what's this? You think the worst straight away? I've my cruciate or whatever. You, straight away, you think the worst, don't you?
0: Yeah.
1: Couldn't carry on, couldn't continue. Tried to have a little jog, couldn't run. Had to go off, knee swelled up almost straight away. And I was just, I remember... It's probably the darkest place I've been in football, especially like waiting for the scam results and stuff. Honestly, I was I was in tears in the changing room while the, lad, the game was still going on because you're almost in the back of your mind. You're thinking the last game of the season, finish on a win, good performance, no injuries, go into the summer, happy. And it couldn't have gone worse, to be honest. So I remember how I was feeling then. And then obviously that's why I'm so grateful to Leicester and the owners who paid the money and the club for one of me, Claude the the manager, John Rudkin, because bought an injured player, really, it's always a risk. Listen, I was doing my rehab and my knee was getting better and it was fine, it all looked fine, but it's still a risk buying a player who's not fully fit to go and train straight away. And they paid £20 million or whatever it was for me. Um, so I'm, that's why I'm truly grateful to Leicester and, like, like you said, here I am now in England International, something I've always dreamed of as a young boy. Because to me, I'm still I'm just still a young kid from Carver who's wanted, who loves playing football and... I'm in the Premier League now and I feel that's where I belong and relish that opportunity and like, like you said I've got my first cap playing regularly in the Premier League in a, in a team that's second in the league so fairy tale stuff.
0: It is indeed yeah and like you say you've gone from a dark place to I mean now nah, the sky is the limit what is it like to play in this side at the minute it must be unbelievable.
1: Yeah unbelievable we've got such a good balance we've got a top manager really top manager. Um, in Brendan Rodgers, and we, he's got the team playing how he wants at the minute, and we're not going to stop. We're going to keep going, and hopefully Norwich will feel the wrath of that on Saturday. Um, <laughs> but uh, listen, we're playing good stuff. We've got a young, we've got a great. When I say great balance, I mean in terms of what we've got to our team and the subs we've got: youth, experience, pace, know-how, ball-winning creativity. I feel like the team's got a real good balance, and. When you've got that and a world-class striker and Jamie Vardy you've always got a chance so we'll keep we'll keep going in that fashion there
0: as you say i mean eight wins in the premier league on the spin that's that's phenomenal doesn't matter what team you are Um, and so the confidence must be absolutely sky high but is it hard to stay in the moment because you know how this works James that now people outside the bubble are saying talking about Leicester in the Champions League conversation you maintain this sort of level through Christmas then you'll be in, you'll be getting talked about potential title challenges yeah. on a personal level you've got a massive carrot at the end of the season potentially England European Championships in England how do you live in the moment is it difficult just
1: noise you've got to kind of and I think this is why the manager said he, he he knows he, he's been in this position before with Liverpool. He was this close to winning the Premier League with Liverpool. Stephen Gerrard doesn't slip, they probably win the league. And it's, that, it's that simple. And he's been in this position before and they maintained it all the way. Liverpool did. So he's been in this position before, like I said, and it's kind of just a case of let people talk. People are going to talk regardless. So if we're doing rubbish, people will talk. If we're doing good people, if we're doing average, people will talk. People will always talk. Let the pundits and the so called geniuses do that and we'll just, we've got a job at hand as it is to say on to the next game when you've got momentum like this all you think about is the next game because you can't wait I can't wait for the game on Saturday because we're playing that good football we just want to play and we want to do even better and that's why I think we've got the momentum at the minute because there's no complacency in training nothing, there's no let up at the minute and that's important because we, we're winning and we've got that winning feeling we've got the taste in our mouth that so at the start of every game we just want to go and run all over teams and it's not a case of oh we're eight in a row we can stroll about today and play some. some it's actually the opposite and I think that's why we're getting so much success
0: and obviously the, the, the eye-catching game in that eight game room was what, the Southampton game um, how mad was that to play in Was that just because that might be just a once in a career opportunity that type yeah
1: not very often you win 9-0 um, it was just everything went in everything went in I couldn't believe it and then at half time we went in 5-0 I think it was at half time and the messages from the manager and the players was it's nil-nil, as like silly as that sounds. As, and it's almost, it's almost like a Sunday league message, it's nil-nil, we go again, kind of thing. But that was the attitude we had and we went out and we got straight in our half and we played it quickly, there was no foot off the gas, there was no feeling sorry for Southampton. We gave uh, the travelling fans every bit worth their ticket, you know, like, it was just... We were creating chances, we were on top and everything was going in, like I said. and. Topped it off with a free kick, which was always nice.
0: I was going to ask you about that, yeah, so, past Angus Gunn as well, yeah. You yeah, must have done that a few in. times at Colney. Yeah, Gunn always went in and like, left <laughs> the young
1: keepers to do the <laughs> kicks that. But, um, yeah, I kind of left Angus to it after the game. Normally we'd go and have a, like, a handshake catch-up and that, but I don't think he was in the best of moods. obviously, after losing 9-0 as a goalie. It's never nice, so yeah. uh, left him to it, gave him a little text and that was that but yeah
0: what a day Final point Um, you'll tell me about this but uh, Sophie's family Sophie Taylor anybody who's not aware of that they should be already obviously that was a a really brave little girl who you got very close to and sadly passed away earlier this year but you clearly kept heavily in touch with her family and could be a big contingent this this weekend
1: Yeah definitely Uh, Sophie's family were actually at the game against Watford and a year ago against Watford I walked Sophie out um, as mascot and we won 2-0 Jamie Vardy penalty and a James Madison goal and then they came with to offer this year and I walked Sophie's big sister Evie out we won 2-0 Jamie Vardy penalty and a Madison goal so something special in that but um, yeah Sophie was a beautiful brave young girl and her family are wonderful I've been in touch ever ever since the first time I met Sophie because Sophie touched my heart um, and they've got a wonderful family so they'll be there cheering Norwich slash Madison I would imagine but um yeah, I've got kept this such a close relationship, and every every game day, Alex, Sophie's dad will send me a, a picture or a clip of Sophie and me from the pa- every different one every game um, from all the mo- memories and moments we had together, which is nice. And that's like a little almost a superstition kind of thing now. So every morning I'll wake up and Alex will have sent something over, wishing good luck for the game and stuff. So uh, yeah, I can't wait to see them again and uh, it'll be a special moment. Yeah
0: and obviously you meant so much to to Sophie and her family as well Um, and you can't say this but footballers don't always get the most positive publicity but does it underline is it something you're aware of that your profile and and that you can reach out and raise awareness of these things and if there's other families going through these sort of things you know that's the positive side of being a Premier League footballer because there's a lot of stuff that comes with it that you probably don't you could do without but do you see yourself almost have a responsibility in certain areas
1: yeah definitely and I was brought up by my mum and dad to be a good human forget whether I'm a footballer I does not whether you're a footballer an engineer bin man teacher whatever you are I was raised to be a good human with good values good morals so and doing this and being there for service family at the most heartbreaking time a time you could never imagine something no one should ever have to go through even if it's just 1% of making that family happier and stuff then I've done, I've done a good job you know and like I got close to Sophia and the family, so it was heartbreaking for me as well. Yeah. But now, in this day, being there for them and them being there for me as well, we have such a good relationship, so that'll be something that I have for the rest of my life now. So uh, if that's an example for others that can do the same thing, just a little thing can always help, help someone in need, yeah.